Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. The, the thought of revival was, uh, came to me and uh, he told me, he said, the fire that you feed is the fire that will shine the brightest. Let me, uh, let me uh, explain that. In, uh, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about marriage. And he's talking about, you know, it's better if you don't get married. It's better if you stay single because the single people can focus more on the Lord. But then he said there's some that can't receive that gift. And then he said it's better to marry than to burn. Now, for a lot of times we used to think that, you know, maybe you still do, but uh, you think that was burn in hell. It's better to marry than to burn in hell. But it's uh, better to marry than to burn with lust. Hallelujah. But uh, so there's the fire of lust. So the fire that you feed is going to shine the brightest. So uh, if you'll turn in your Bibles to a familiar scripture, 2 Timothy, we usually... Chapter 1, verse 7, we usually quote the 7th verse, but I'd like to read the 6th verse to you also, if I can remember that uh, Timothy is before Hebrews, and 1st Timothy is before 2nd Timothy. But if you've gone past into Titus, then you've gone too far. So anyway, in verse 6, it says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on, through the laying on of my hands. That was a charge, through the laying on of hands, that was the laying on of hands for the, for the charge of ministry, but it was also prophetic words that were being given. I kind of feel like I'm in a, in a tin can, so I don't know if we need to. I think the sound. <laughs> I got rid of that earlier. <laughs> but uh, so prophetic words came forth. Paul said to stir up the gift of God that is within you. And during worship, you know, the Lord dropped this thing in me. I was listening to a, uh, uh, an interview with Jim Caviezel. I guess that's his name, the guy that played yeah. in the Passion of the Christ. And he said some, he's making a, he made a new movie called The Apostle Paul. He was Luke in that movie, I believe. But he was doing an interview, and in the interview he said a lot of Christians are afraid to die. And then he was talking about physically. But then the Lord spoke to me afterwards, and not to contradict what he was saying, but the Lord spoke to me and said, a lot of Christians are afraid to live. Yeah. There's a lot of people in the body of Christ that are afraid to live. 
And I'll give you an example. I remember, uh, well, one, I, this is a, a, an example. Uh, years ago, I think we were still in the storefront church on Center Street. A woman came to me and she said, don't ever ask me to pray. This is publicly. Don't ever ask me to pray because if you do, I'll die. So again, some Christians are more afraid of living than dying. I remember, uh, you know, just uh, one of, there is a statistic that m the, one of the greatest fears that people have is public speaking. They're more afraid of public speaking than they are of, uh, of dying. Of course, when it comes right down to it, maybe not. I don't know. And I remember I struggled and struggled and struggled with the fear of public speaking. I still occasionally get a knot in my stomach, you know. So it's not like uh, it's not like I get up here and I'm just all loosey goosey ready to go, you know. I you know sometimes there's a knot there and I have to work through that. But bless God, I'm not going to let that knot keep me from sharing what God has for me. I'm not going to let that knot keep me from the prophetic word that God has placed upon my life. And I want to tell you this: if God has spoken prophetic word in your life, then don't be afraid to live. Yes. Don't be afraid to do it. Don't be afraid to step out. You might fail at it. You think about Moses. Moses was told by God to go down into Egypt. Now I'll get to the resurrection message. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but this is resurrected in me right now. Moses went down to Egypt with a word of God that says, you're going to deliver my people. And how many times did Pharaoh say no? Exactly. <laughs> Pharaoh said no. And as a matter of fact, the Israelites got mad at him because Pharaoh started making it tougher on the people that God was going to let go. So in my mind, I think that Moses probably felt like a failure a number of times before he actually, actually saw the manifestation. Now, we know what the scriptures say about, about Pharaoh and what God was doing with him. But really, a lot of times, you know, you might not believe this, but you know God still tests people. God will test you to see if you are going to be faithful to the word that he's given you. Amen. I'll say it for you. I've lived it. I have lived it. God has told me to do things that I didn't want to do. Bless God, you might as well do it anyway. Praise the Lord. So are you afraid? You might be more afraid of living than of dying. Well, guess what? Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. If you, if you step out and die, don't worry about it. Jesus will raise you up. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want, to, I want to share with you a couple of thoughts. I'll give them to you before. Uh, you know how it get, goes sometimes. We don't always get finished. But uh, I want to give you a couple of thoughts. Resurrection prophesied, resurrection power, and resurrection personified. Mm. Hallelujah. Resurrection prophesied, resurrection 
power and resurrection personified. And each one of these deal with you. I don't like to preach stuff that's just theological. I like to preach something that is going to have an effect in our lives. You know, theology, what you believe will determine your, the way you live. Yes. Hallelujah. Years ago, I remember uh, we had a young man in the church. He had been delivered from homosexuality. And uh, he was free and that sort of thing. And he watched Oprah, and uh, she had somebody on there, a minister per se, that said it was okay. So he got back into it because it's okay. His theology affected his lifestyle. Do mm. you know the young man died of AIDS? No, I'm not criticizing him. I'm just telling you that your theology will affect your lifestyle. So theology's good. Turn, turn somebody say theology's good. Theology's good. Now you can say good theology's even better. <laughs> Good theology is even better because, you know, you can have a faulty theology and it will restrict you. Faulty theology will either propel, uh, good theology will propel you into the things of Christ. Faulty theology will hold you back. But anyway, you know, Jesus spoke, uh, we talk, uh, the first thought is, is uh, resurrection prophesied. Jesus spoke of his own resurrection before it happened. I would think that is a prophetic declaration of what is going to happen. In case you don't, don't know what resurrection is, it means, it means to live again, to be revived again. It means you were dead and now you are alive. Hallelujah. You know, that's why, uh, well, we talk about revival, but why do we have to keep having revival? It's because Christians who are alive become cold. They might not, they're not physically dead, but they're in their relationship and their manifestation of a relationship with Christ. They've gone cold, so they have to be revived. Yes. Revive us. So Lord, revive us, so Lord, and cleanse us from our impurities and make us holy. Hear our cry and revive us, oh Lord. Well, if we would feed the fire, we wouldn't be having to restoke it. The reason the fire's gone out is because we haven't put the wood on. Hallelujah. We haven't protected the fire. So Paul speaks to Timothy and he says to stir up the gift of God. The gift of God was the prophetic word that had been spoken over his life. And then he encourages him by saying, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. And we usually stop there. But if we keep on going, he's talking about sharing the gospel. Yeah. He's talking about sharing the gospel. Well, Jesus Again, he speaks of his resurrection before, 
before his death. And I like uh, Isaiah. You know, we could go through, we could spend the whole time and not be finished covering the prophetic words in the Old Testament that speak of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I've got a point in, in talking about this. I'm not just filling up time talking about the resurrection. I'm talking about it because this is so good. Verse uh, Isaiah 53, verse 1, it says, Who has believed our report? You know, one of the, one of the keys of our, of our faith is belief. And the key of that faith, uh, the key of belief is continuing to believe even when it doesn't feel good. Even when it doesn't feel right, even though it doesn't manifest, the reality is, is the key to our life in Christ is belief. Who has believed our report? And then it goes on to talk about Christ. And then in verse 4, it says, Surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. That's talking about pains and sicknesses. So who has believed our report? It says, he carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. And what that means is, is we considered Christ suffering for his own issues. That's what it's talking about. He says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Then he goes on to say, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. What is sin? Do it your thing. Do what you want to do. Do, 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 do. I can't do that. Anyway, we'll, go, we'll quit there. What is it? It's not doing it God's way. It's doing it your way. I used to pick on Frank Sinatra. But I, once I found out what the song was really about, I quit picking on him. Because he did it his way. But the reality is, is what it is, is we are doing our own thing. We've turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, the iniquity of us all. So in other words, doing our thing was laid upon Christ. It says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Man, can you just compare ourselves with him? How many times have we complained that we haven't gone as far as this? He opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as the sheep before his shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? That's a question. Are you going to declare his generation? It says, I didn't hear any amens, but we'll just keep going. It says, for he was cut off from the land of the living. So we're still talking about the crucifixion. He says, for the transgression of my people was he stricken, and he was, he was, uh, and they made his grave with the wicked, the two um, thieves on the cross. 
But with the rich in his death, he was laid in a rich man's tomb. It says, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. And this used to bother me for years. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Man. If it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he might like to beat me up every now and then. (laughs) Don't worry, I've got my theology good. Okay. He put it on him so you didn't have to take it. That's right. Come on. You You don't have to pay for it. It was paid for by Christ. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put on him. He has put him to grief. He gave him grief. His grief. The grief he got was our grief. And when, uh, it says, when you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. Now, how is somebody that's crucified going to see their seed, see their seed and see their days prolonged? It's somebody that's resurrected from the dead is what that's it is. Good. That's good. It says, and he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. How's a dead person going to be satisfied? Because he's not dead, he's alive. He's going to see that the grief that he did, he paid for, he's, go, he's going to see the fruit of his labors. And you are the fruit of his labors. Yes, thank you. Hallelujah. Another scripture along that line was uh, Psalm 6, 16, verse 10 says this, for you will not abandon his soul in Sheol or hell, it says, or your holy one to see corruption. Hundreds of years before Christ's death and resurrection, there is a prophetic word that talks about his death and resurrection. Why is this so important? Well, let me just say this. Yet with all that the word says, with, with what God's word has to say about, prophetically about the Messiah and his resurrection, the one who deceives the nations still didn't get it. Who is the one who deceives nations? The enemy, Satan. Satan is the great deceiver. And you know, the enemy knows the word. Because when Jesus, he took Jesus on the pinnacle of the temple and he says, throw yourself down. He says, because he will give his angels charge over you lest you dash your foot against the stone. The pro- but the problem with Satan is he doesn't believe the word. How many of you know Satan only uses the stuff he wants to use? And he likes the stuff. That he likes. You know, when Satan used to bother me years ago, I would just go to Revelations 20, verse 20. (laughs) Do you know what Revelation 20, 20 is? It says, And the devil which deceived them was bound and cast into the lake of fire and will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And you know, it just seemed like he didn't like that. (laughs) Because he disappeared. It seemed like the attacks that I had went away for a while. Yes, kind of reminds me a lot of Christians. They like some of the Bible and they don't like all of it. 
Hallelujah. So why is this important? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 7, it says this. It says, for we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. It says the hidden wisdom which God ordained. You know, God hides stuff in the open. God will hide stuff in the open. But the reason it's hidden is because people don't want to see it. The enemy didn't want to see it. It's all through the scriptures, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and all that the saints receive from that. It says, uh, the hidden wisdom which God uh, ordained before the ages to our glory, which none of the rulers of this age had known, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Why wouldn't they have crucified Jesus? Because Because of the benefits of the death the burial and resurrection. We think that, G- that Satan was defeated in the resurrection. No, Satan was defeated when Jesus was on the cross. Because when Jesus was on the cross, he was on the cross for you, and that broke his legal right to, in any way, hurt, harm, or affect you, to kill, to steal, or destroy. It's all broken. It's all done. Yes. Well, why is he still bothering me? Because he has deceived us into thinking that he can. Let's break it off. Yes. Let me just uh, give you some other things why he wouldn't have done it. He wouldn't have done it if he would have known that when Jesus was on the cross, you were on the cross with him. Do you know that you were crucified with Christ? Scripture says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. Satan would not have crucified Jesus if he would have known that Christ would be living in you. You know, Satan thought, if I kill him, my problem's over. The problem with that thinking is, is that when Christ rose from the dead and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon him, he's got many Christ to deal with. He doesn't have one Jesus to deal with. He's got multitudes of Jesus. I was uh, thinking of a dear brother this morning. It was all pure thoughts. I was in the shower. But uh, (laughs) I was in the shower, and a a thought came to me about Brother Wayne Brooks. It was a church I was at in Kansas City, and he was uh, like a, a traveling minister, I'll say. But he... His home church was the church that, that I was attending at the time. And he, he, he was just the sweetest guy. I mean, what you saw, what you saw is what you got. He had no, no pretense. He wasn't trying to make a show. He wasn't trying to make you think something differently of himself than what he was. He just, he is what he is. And I remember one time he was telling me a story. And he says, I can't go into all the background, but the pastor of the church was very controlling. Say very controlling. Very controlling. And so he would, uh, he would sit up, he, his chair was on the platform. 
Now, that's a lot of pastors do that. But his chair was on the platform, and if we would have a guest speaker and somebody said something that was contrary to what the preacher preaches, all eyes shifted (laughs) to the pastor to see what his response would be. And so he never really did anything, but, you know, our eyes would shift. But I remember he was telling a story, uh, Brother Wayne Brooks, and he said, he said that he and the pastor went uh, to do deliverance on a woman at her house. And so they went over, and they were having problems with this demon coming out, you know. And so during the confrontation, the, the devil spoke through the woman and said, who do you think you are? And Wayne, uh, Brother Wayne said, said before he could even think about it, out of his mouth said, I am Jesus. <laughs> and all of a sudden fear hit him because he said, what is the pastor going to think? <laughs> he said, and the demon said, because, be, well, if you're Jesus, then I have to go. And the demon left and the lady was free. And he said, Brother Powell uh, didn't say the, the demon. He's been dead for years anyway. But the demon didn't say, or not the demon, the pastor didn't say anything. You've got to realize when he says, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That is literal. When the demon says, who do you think you are? I'm Jesus. Mm. Oh, uh, isn't that blasphemy? That's not blasphemy. That is the truth. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. If you know if Jesus, if, if Satan would have known that, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Hallelujah. Do you know that in, uh, in, in Romans it says that you have been buried with him mm-hmm. in baptism unto death, that as Christ was raised from, from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Then in verse 8 it says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Are you afraid to live or are you resurrected? The resurrection is not just someday, you know, after I die and Jesus comes back, my body's going to rise. No, you are resurrected now. Are you afraid to live? Let's quit being afraid to live. Yeah, we can all talk about being afraid to die, but but bless God, we got to know that we can live. I want to live. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Do you know that in Romans 8 it says, because we are with Christ, we are joint heirs of Christ. That means we get all the benefits of heaven. Do we, we also know that in, uh, then in Ephesians, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all yes. spiritual blessing. Because of his resurrection, Because of that, we have all spiritual blessings, and Satan would not have crucified the Lord of glory if he would have known. Hallelujah. 
Turn to somebody and say, I'm glad he didn't know. (laughs) Romans chapter 16, verse 20, it says, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you because of that that death and resurrection. uh, God is going to not only crush Satan under our feet, but he is going to use you to do it. He's going to use you to do it. We used to, um, what was that song? Yeah, yeah. We we have about 50 people, 20 people up here and they go, Shout, shout, shout it out. Shout, shout it out. The devil is on my feet. Mm. Shout, shout, shout it out. Shout. So you can imagine 20 people on a wooden stage. Man, it sounded cool. Are you afraid to live? Are you afraid to be the real you? The real you is not, is not timid. The real you is not passive. The real you is not coiling, coiling back. The real you is not in hiding. The real you is to come out. Come out. God wants you to be you, and God wants you, God wants himself to live through you. He cannot be himself with you being timid. Hallelujah. Are you thinking of the ham, or what is it? Man, he's alive and you're alive with him. Hallelujah. And because he lives, you can not only face tomorrow, because he lives, all fear is gone. Because you know he holds the future. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to Jesus. Well, in Ephesians chapter 3, Verse 19, it says this. Uh, this is part of uh, Paul's prayer. He says, he says, I want you to know the love of Christ who has passed his knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you think if Satan would have known that you would be filled with all the fullness of God, he would have crucified Jesus? No, he said, oh, man, let's just leave him alone because we only have one of him to deal with. We only have one instead of millions and millions and millions. Would the real Jesus stand up? (laughs) Come on. Would the real Jesus stand up? Hallelujah. You've got Christ in you, the hope of glory. You've got Christ in you. That's not the end of the scripture. He goes on to say, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. The power's not in heaven. Oh, Lord, send the power. Send the power. No, the power's in you. Power's in you. Are you a power ranger or what? I'm not, I didn't want, I don't know if that's good or not. Probably not. But anyway, you've got the power. You've got the power of the Lord. Hallelujah. And because of that, you can do what Jesus said you could do. Amen. You know, in, in Philippians 1.11, it says that you are filled with the fruits of righteousness. 
You don't have to work it up. It's already there. In Colossians, it says that you have been delivered from the power. You're not under Satan's power. That's a lie of the enemy. You are not under Satan's power. It says he, Jesus, has delivered you from the powers of darkness and transferred you, translated you into the kingdom of his dear son. Verse 14 says, in whom you have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You have, re- you have been bought with a price. You no longer belong to anybody but God. God the Father is your owner. Hallelujah. Well, nobody owns me. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody remember Bob Dylan? Bob Dylan, you know, became a Christian for a while. I don't know if he stuck with it, but he he wrote a song after he became became a Christian. He says, you got to serve somebody. Mm, you got to serve somebody. This isn't how it goes. But mm, you got to serve somebody. Hey, it might be the devil, but it might be the Lord. Hey, we got to serve somebody. Serve, come on, choir. Serve somebody. Got to serve somebody. Serve somebody. <laughs> You've got to serve somebody. It might as well be the Lord. Yeah. See, that's the problem with our, with, with, our, uh, with our nation. Our nation was founded on rebellion. Yeah, that's true. Wow. No, you know, I, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying that's, that's the seed. It's mm-hmm. true. The land of the free, free the home of the Brave. Braves. Well, when you, when you go to Kansas City during a Chiefs game, <laughs> for the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs. <laughs> I don't know. That's just what they do. You know, they're not, they're not Eagle fans. They don't throw snowballs at Santa Claus, but <laughs> Santa Claus. They've said, I'm glad they threw no bothered. <laughs> Hallelujah. So according to the power that works in us, we are delivered from the power of darkness, translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, there's just so much, so much to say. So if Satan would have known he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So now what does he do? He tries to keep you thinking that you're still under his thumb. That you're still under his thumb. That you are his captive to do what he wants you to do. But the reality is, is God gave you power. Hallelujah. So if we'll focus on the word of God instead of the lies of Satan... We'll be much farther ahead with the victories that Christ has promised. I wrote down in my notes, don't follow a loser. <laughs> don't follow a loser. It's good. 
I'm not talking about your NFL team. <laughs> I'm talking about, I'm talking about your, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the victor. Yes. As a matter of fact, if you follow him, the scripture says you are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. And you all know the definition of, of, of the more than a conqueror. The conqueror is the prize fighter that went into the, bat, went into the ring and did battle for 15 rounds. Come back. He won, but he's bloody and bruised. And he comes back and he hands over the check to the wife. And she's more than a conqueror. <laughs> Why? Because she gets the benefits. Well, we the bride of Christ. We get the benefits for what he went through. Well, let's talk about resurrection power. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Thank you, Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Man. Oh, I, that's, I, can't, I couldn't find... <laughs> I couldn't find... 1 Corinthians, because I was looking between Romans and Acts. <laughs> Man, what's... Those books aren't that small. But it's after Romans. It says in Romans chapter 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I... De 1 Corinthians 15. Did I... No, I said... Yeah, we don't need this on air. Oh, you should have seen us 40 years ago. Hallelujah. Anyway, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the, the gospel which I preach, which, which also you received, and that which you stand, by which, by which also you are saved. Say, I'm saved. saved. By this gospel. You're not sure. Some of you are not sure. <laughs> This is the gospel you're saved by. It says, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. He says, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. How many believe that? If he died for your sins, do you still have to suffer for him? No. You might have to appropriate getting out from under because the enemy's lying to you. You know, I, uh, there have been times I've thought about my past and I would cringe. <laughs> Some of the things I've done. Some of the things I said. <laughs> you know, I cringe. But the Bible says that Christ died for my sins. I no longer have to pay for him. I appropriate the blood. He goes on and says, and he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now that is the, that is the gospel. That is the gospel. But let me just say this. He, when he rose again, he rose again from the dead physically. His physical body was resurrected. He just didn't rise in spirit. He rose physically from the dead. 
Turn to somebody and say, you can see them, you can feel them, you can touch them. You know, after Jesus rose from the dead, uh, he went to meet his disciples. He walked through a wall. That's good. That means my resurrected body will be able to walk through a wall. My resurrected body will be able to travel at the speed of thought. Glory to God. My resurrected body will be able to eat all the Hershey stuff I want, and it's going to be all, going to be good. Of course, God probably have stuff better than Hershey's, but no offense. But um, he walked through that wall, and they're all frightened. And he says, touch me, feel me. For a spirit does not have flesh and bone. Now, here's the, here's the puzzle. He says, do you have anything to eat? <laughs> so they gave him fish and honeycomb. And then he goes back to the wall. Yeah. How did that fish and honeycomb do that? <laughs> honeycomb breakfast. <laughs> I guess whatever Jesus touches, he transforms. Oh, yeah. Wow. Maybe, he tra- maybe he's got the power to transform you. Glory, <laughs> Glory to God. Are you feeling it? Mm. Feeling transformed every day. Thank you, Jesus. Let me just say something. This is kind of off the subject. But you need, you ought to get a, a piece of chalk and draw a circle around yourself. And then just stand there and say, Lord, revive everything in this circle. <laughs> Revive everything, set this, set everything on fire that's in this circle. Because if he sets us on fire, we don't have to, we don't have to worry about it. You know, uh, I never met uh, John Wesley, but I've read some of his stuff. He said, he said, I set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. Lord, light my fire, light my fire. Hallelujah. So anyway, during this passage of scripture, it talks about the power rose Jesus Christ from the dead. It also talks about multitudes witness the resurrection. Do you know that 500 people at one time saw Jesus resurrected from the dead? Now, how do you think that that would hold up in a court today? 500 people witnessed. And by the time of the writing, most of them were still alive. You know, if you... Uh, if you had five, if you said that there was 500 people that saw Jesus resurrected from the dead, if they didn't see it, they could contradict it. But 500 people saw Jesus, and more than that, Paul even said himself, the power of the resurrection had the power to change the unbelieving into believers. Do you know that Jesus's brothers did not believe? who he was until after the resurrection. And James, the Lord's brother, who didn't believe in Jesus, actually became 
the leader of the church. He became the leader of the church and the one and one of the biggest persecutors of the church at that time. The Apostle Paul was trying to destroy the church and he saw the resurrected Christ and the power of the resurrection changed him. You think the power of the resurrection can change you? Hallelujah. The power of the resurrection can shift your identity. You know, because in in uh, first Corinthians, I'm not going there, but in first Corinthians, the power of the resurrection can shift your identity from your identity in Adam, the first Adam. You know who the you know what the first Adam did? Yeah. What? He listened to his wife. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> but see, she was deceived, but he did it on purpose. So I'm not blaming women because I'm actually pro-women. But that's such a good joke. <laughs> not if you're a woman, but, <laughs> but anyway. The first Adam... Brought sin into the world. But the second Adam delivered us. Amen. So who are we identifying with? Are we identifying ourselves with the first Adam or with the second Adam? As in Adam, the first Adam all die. As in the second Adam, all shall live. So the re- so our once a year Easter party, resurrection party, is not just for a day. It is a life yes. of resurrection. Yes. Every day. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. In Romans, Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. You know, a lot of people are living in Romans chapter 7. What's Romans chapter 7? It's all about I. There's more, there's more references to I than in the next chapter, chapter 8. But the, Romans chapter 7 is about living in the flesh. Romans chapter 8 is about living in the spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it says, But we are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, indeed, the Spirit of God dwells in us. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. It says, But... If the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to you and will quicken your mortal body through the spirit who dwells on the inside of you. Who dwells on the inside of you. The spirit of life. The law, in, in earlier in that tra- chapter, it, talk, well, it says, there's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free yes. from the law of sin and death. So what, do you, what law are you walking in? Are you walking in the law of the spirit of life? Are you walking in the law of sin and death? Whatever you walk in, 
you experience. Whatever fire you feed will shine the brightest. Mm -hmm. Stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. Stir it up. Stir it up, Jesus. Well, no, it's not all on Jesus. Jesus told us to stir it up. You know, it's funny. We, we ask God to do things that he told us to do. Yes, good preaching. We ask God to do things. Lord, you know, Lord, save, the, save that guy next door. He says, well, I've been trying to get you to go over there and talk to him. <laughs> and he says, by the way, I'm getting tired of you telling him to get thee behind me, Satan, when I tell you to go over there. Oh, it's getting awful quiet in this. <laughs> Pray the Lord. Glory be to Jesus. Well, there's the power of the, there is the resurrection prophesied, the resurrection power, but there's also the resurrection personified. Jesus said in John chapter eleven twenty three, he says, uh, Well, let me just give you a little background. Lazarus, a close friend of Jesus with Mary and Martha, Lazarus died and, or no, well, he was sick. And then they sent a message to Jesus and said, Jesus, come and lay hands on my brother. He's sick. So Jesus says, well, let's just wait a while. It's not exactly King James or whatever, but he just said, let's wait. And then um, Jesus said to the disciples, let's, let's, go, uh, let's go wake Lazarus up. He's sleeping. And they said, well, Lord, if he sleeps, that's good. He'll get better. He had to tell him he's died, man. He's died. So he goes. And, you know, Martha comes out first and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Then in verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. I want to just say this before I forget it. A lot of times God wants to do now things and we want to put it off to the future. You want God to move now or you want him to move in the future? It's funny, you know, you, you ask, you know, you, you ask you know, ask for people to pray for, and, you know, they, they don't want to come and get it now. It's available now. Salvation's now. Now is the day of salvation. Might not have tomorrow. So it says, your brother will rise again, and uh, Martha says, Lord, I know my brother will rise again in the resurrection at the last day putting it off to the future. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection yes. and the life. Resurrection is not an event, it's a person. Yes. Where does the resurrection live? In you. Turn to somebody and say, resurrection lives in you. Hallelujah. I thought I saw a twinkle in your eye. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. Somebody say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. You know, again, Martha wants to put it off to the future, but the future is, but Jesus is not just future. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, and everything in between. Yes. I'd be happier about that. So the resurrection, again, is not a person or is not, is not an event. It is a person. Hallelujah. Let me just share this in closing. Thank you, Lord. I want to talk about appropriating the resurrection. Appropriating the resurrection. In Ephesians 5, verse 8, it says, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And we have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather we expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things are exposed and made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead. And Christ will give you light. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to us. He's saying, wake up. I remember a Chicago song. Joe's not here. He loves Chicago. Anybody remember this song, Wake Up? No, Wake Up a Little. No, that's the Everly Brothers. That's even before my time. Wake Up a Little Susie, Wake Up. Anyway, Chicago. Well, let's forget about that Chicago song. He says, Awake you who sleep and arise from the dead. In other words, we've got we've to tell ourselves, Wake Up! Wake up, resurrection life. Wake up. Don't be afraid. Well, I'm not telling you not to be afraid to die. I'm telling you not to be afraid to live. Don't be afraid to live. You want to experience life before you die. You don't want to just wait until you get to heaven to experience life. Experience life. How do I experience life, pastors? By letting Jesus come through. Come out in the name of Jesus. Come out, resurrection life. Come out, Holy Spirit. Come out, power of God. Come out. Be evident. Be manifest. You mean I got to talk to somebody? Just let the light burn. You know, I build a fire and it never talks to me. But I still like to watch it. People gather around fires. Mm -hmm. They might stick hot dogs in them. <laughs> they might stick marshmallows in them. They might make s'mores, but they like to hang around fire. You start burning, you won't have to worry about witnessing. You will be a witness. You will be a witness. Now, uh, I was uh, instructed to turn over to Katie. Hallelujah. I appreciate Katie. Bye-bye. Love you. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, 
I thank you for the power of the resurrected Christ living in each one of us. I break off the fear of life in the name of Jesus. I decree, Lord God, that the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death of the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and he quickens our mortal body. So we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name for your life in us. In Jesus' name, amen.